And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Britt Giroli, Eno Saris, all here. On this Tuesday, Game 1 of the World Series is upon us. It feels like this playoffs is flying by at this point. Lots to talk about, including some keys to the series. We will preview Game 1 specifically. We'll make some predictions for a series winner and for MVP. And I'm sure we'll have some other nonsense, some other fun along the way over the course of the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, what's going on? How's, how's Tuesday treating you so far, Britt? Tuesday's going very well. Um, as you know, we were just laughing off camera about the Mets president GM search. So other than that, um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the World Series. I'm excited to be in Atlanta this weekend and to see some of it live. Um, I think this is going to be a good matchup. And you can't always say that, right? Some some years we kind of get duds. But these are two exciting teams to watch. So personally, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think the uh, line in some places, the MGM line says it's 5743. That's what the implied uh, win probability is 5743 Astros, which sounds like it could be a snoozer if it falls that way, because that would be uh, that would be a pretty big mismatch, I think. Uh, But fan graphs is more 5248. And uh, that's how I see it. I see it as uh, slightly in the Astros favor. I think that means six or seven. I think that there are enough problems uh, on both of these sides in terms of staffs. There's going to be like maybe a bullpen game or like, you know, there's going to be there's going to be games where you're like, wow, they uh, they kicked the can down the road and, and gave this game up. Uh, so I think that both teams will have uh, will have something like that. And that'll that'll make it go six or seven. Yeah, so I, I was reading the the five numbers piece that you had up on The Athletic earlier today. You know, and I think the the one that really like, sticks with me as critically important like at least a key to the whole series for me is the Braves and how much they strike out because we've seen good offenses go quiet in series like this in the past you've got an offense that top to bottom is good that should at least hold its own in the series I would agree that the the odds being as close as they are make a lot of sense based on who these teams have proven to be over the last couple of weeks but if the Braves continue to strike out nearly 28% 28% of the time, there's a big advantage for Houston. They put a lot more balls in play, and I think that could start to catch up to Atlanta over the course of the series. Again, timing of the hits and everything can offset some of that, right? You string your hits together. The whiffs or don't if matter each hit quite is as powerful, much. you know, if they're yeah. always homers or doubles, you know. Yeah, they barrel up a ton of balls. So, But so I mean, far, it's been, I think, mostly timely, right? It's not like they've been they've been out-homering everybody. It's, you know, yeah. they had two walk-off hits. You know, they 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 get hits when they need them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good afternoon from Spain. Yeah, hey. I, I would say good morning in the chat. I always forget that we have uh, overseas <laughs> viewers and listeners who are enjoying the show in the afternoon or even the evening, depending on uh, on where they are. <laughs> so yes, we uh, we appreciate you checking in from Spain. 
yeah. the keys, keys to this series. Like, what what really matters to you as you look at how these two teams match up, Britt? What do you think could be some of the the differences when we're talking about how this series plays out? You know, a week or so from now, the Braves bullpen, and I know we've hailed them because they did so well the first two series, but it's important to remember that the Dodgers are lefty heavy and the relievers for the Braves who have pitched so well are lefties. So the Astros are, you know, they have some good right-handed hitters. So it's a little more of a balanced lineup. So I'm curious to see how Luke Jackson bounces back from a rough NLCS. I think he's going to be key. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about Will Smith and we talked about Matzik. Uh, we talked about AJ Minter. Those are all great arms. They're all left-handed. So they're going to need some outs from Luke Jackson I think it's going to be important in this series. For Houston, it's just going to be a matter of, are they going to see the same Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez that they got in the ALCS? And, and Jose Arquiti, yeah. And Jose Arquiti. So, like, you know, yeah, does he come back or not? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cool like storylines and cool things at play. And um, what I want to make sure I mention, because I think it's one of the coolest things, is that Brian Snicker's son is the assistant hitting coach in Houston. So if you're Brian Snicker's wife, I don't know how you're watching these games. <laughs> yeah. um, Maybe you're well, not. <laughs> yeah. like Either way, Snickers said yesterday, either way, it's, a trophy is coming back to the Snicker household. They're just not certain <laughs> who's going to have the trophy. And, oh, I think and no who's going to have the bragging rights in that family yes. forever. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an awkward holiday uh, get together no matter what, I feel like. Right. It's going to be someone gloating and someone knowing that the, the chance of a lifetime uh, just kind of slipped away here a little bit. So, Really, really cool storyline, uh, in my opinion. I, I just think it's going to be a fun series. I'm excited. It seems like some years we have teams in the World Series who can't hit. You know, we always say pitching gets you to the World Series. But these teams have turned that on its head, right? These are two lineups that you're excited mm -hmm. to see in the World Series. And I don't can't really remember the last time that's happened, where we've talked about two really good vaunted lineups that have somehow made it through into the World Series. And I think of that, uh, a little bit of that Boston-LA series. You know, that was, the, you know, those are very good lineups. Um, and uh, in fact, when I ran the numbers, uh, you know, everyone has that sort of pitching and defense wins championships, you know, kind of truism. Um, you know, I found that the still the strongest correlation between regular season and, and postseason success was still hitting. So I think it might just be something that we don't talk about as much, because if you think about it, like the whole way that we're doing this, like we have a whole day to fill, you know, in terms of like MLB network and radio and everyone's talking about this. And the easiest thing to talk about, I think, is who's starting tonight. So I think we really kind of almost fetishize the starting pitcher. And so that we remember we remember these big starts. We remember the big names um, and the hitting is it usually is like, oh, well, yeah, Joe Carter hit that walk off. You know, it wasn't the Blue Jays were an amazing lineup that scored a lot of runs. It was just Joe Carter who hit the walk-off, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, I think we just treat hitting and pitching a little bit differently. But, you know, I think you make a really good point about the lefties. Uh, let's put up Sam Chess's thing here. It's, it's a little bit much to just read off, but uh, <laughs> he does have the splits here. And one thing that is notable is the right-handed batters versus left-handed pitchers for Houston uh, is the best split they've got. And that might make some sense because you got Jose Altuve, uh, Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman, both really good right-handed batters. And, uh, you know, I would assume that Altuve is a big part of, of that. And, and Correa, you know, Bregman didn't have the best year. But um, one thing I did find, though, was that when you throw over 96 miles an hour, um, the platoon splits shrink. So uh, Minter and Matzek, uh, would you'd expect them to have smaller platoon splits than Will Smith. 
Um, and so I wonder if they become your closers and I, but see Snicker just Snicker plays it by the book. You know, Smith will be his closer, which, which means to me that like one of these games will be decided by a right-hander hitting a big, like maybe a home run off of Will Smith or, you know, Will Smith has been walking guys in the ninth. Will Smith will walk a couple of guys and Carlos Correa will, will bring home a winning run. So um, I, I do think that the Will Smith platoon split matters. I don't know if it matters so much for Matt's second mentor because they just throw so damn hard. Um, but uh, it, was, it was that was an argument that um, I've been having uh, with someone uh, for 15 years about whether or not platoon splits um, tighten when you have good velocity. <laughs> I was happy to find that today. <laughs> Hope he reads it. Uh, a game plan here from Shane <laughs> to handle Yoran Alvarez intentional walks only. Well, yeah, I guess he can't hurt you quite as badly with the those. Barry Bonds treatment already. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll see if that happens over the course of the series, but I'm I'm really curious to see how they try and, and approach him. But um, the other thing that Sam threw in here, will the tone, rhythm, and final scores of this series be more like the ALCS or the NLCS? And that was something I heard a lot. I was driving around yesterday. I went over to Costco, an epic Costco run, got some Japanese whiskey. And uh, they were Ooh. talking a lot about the I've differences. I've got a keg at my house still. You still have a keg. That's right. I should go, go help <laughs> you, you out You have to come that. over and help me drink it, man. <laughs> That'll be an evening episode of Rates and Barrels. But the <laughs> the differences between the two leagues, I, I don't know. Like I, I felt like they were kind of overplaying. I think it was just MLB Network Radio afternoon show, whatever. It's fine. I, I'm just I don't think of the AL and the NL being that different. I think rosters have been constructed with a lot of redundancies. I think NL teams have that extra hitter, so they're not at that much of a disadvantage when they get to the postseason, get to the World Series, and have to use them. We've gone through this. Because of the universal DH and the shortened season, too, I just don't see that much of a difference between the two leagues anymore. I'm curious if you guys agree with that or if that's just something that's changing in my head. And, yeah, in fact, the AL and the NL are still very different, and Derek is a doofus. Well, we just had a whole year where they we had the DH in both leagues and a whole season. And then um, I would say that, like, in particular, how the Braves are built, uh, that whole, like, revamping the outfield on the fly um, means they have a DH. I mean, Jorge Soler is is basically a DH. So they just got him back, and, and it looks like they'll, you know, they'll be able to field a, a full team no matter what stadium they're in. And, yeah, with interleague play, I think. Mostly, a lot of that stuff has gone away. You have to you have to plan for X amount of games in an AL park in any given season, anyway. Yeah, I, I do think it's usually a boost to the NL team because they get a DH, right? They get an extra bat in the lineup. Um, whereas the AL teams kind of been playing like that all year. Um, but I don't think it's going to drastically alter the the tone or rhythm of this series. I think these two teams are what they are. They're going to hit a lot of balls. Um, Houston's defense, which kind of took a, had some questionable plays in the ALCS. I'm curious to see how they bounce back uh, after being terrific against the White Sox. Um, that could have a, a, a role here uh, when you look at two teams that are kind of similar, right? Like Houston has the starters, a little bit more of a question in terms of the bullpen. Um, Atlanta has the starters. The bullpen's been really good, but we're all like, ah, are they here to stay? Are they going to match Yeah, they weren't that well? great during the regular season. Yeah, like, I don't know. They're, they're kind of similar teams. So I'm wondering if Houston's defense is going to be an edge, is going to be a slight edge. Not that Atlanta's defense is bad because we talk about that infield and Rod Washington and the job that he's done there. So, um, yeah. There's a, little bit of a, there's a little bit of a problem outfield defense for Atlanta. 
I mean, that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You're putting Duvall in center. Rosario's out there. Duvall's your defensive some... replacement, right? He's your yeah, best defender. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> they Solaire did that the other night. Yeah, I don't know. That, that seems crazy to me. Uh, I'm surprised they don't have like a defense only uh, center fielder, unless it's here Adrianza, but I don't, I don't No, I no, it's Heredia. It, it was Heredia. Oh, it's Heredia. They put Heredia okay. in the game, oh. then threw Duvall in the corner to not have him in center anymore. And it's like, there's there's such a, a downturn Slight weakness in terms of the there. bat. Like, yeah, especially Heredia. if the we, if the game goes long, like you put in Heredia as a defensive replacement and then they tie it up and then you're like, oh, Heredia comes up in the 10th or something, you know? Yeah. Um, all possibilities. But one thing that I, I take away from that question also is that um, so the tone and tenor of the different CSs were different, not necessarily because of the league difference, but because of how they turned out, like the game results. So like I like I don't know, I think that the NLCS was closer in every game It was like tight games all the way through, uh, whereas the ALCS kind of seemed to like go from clobbering to clobbering. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I, I don't, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to how that happens, other than maybe you get bullpens that are fatigued and and just the way yeah. things tend to break like that is is how it happens. But or also, just like the, the, you don't have a great middle bullpen, so when Urquidy goes out in the first or the second, or Garcia goes out in the first and second, you get clobbered. If Urquidy or Gar- Garcia go seven, you clobber. So I think that does sort of point to Houston's biggest. Uh, you know, failing, which is, you know, kind of the middle innings. Yeah. Mr. Abkadab CD 1122 <laughs> wants to know over under on Urquidy innings this series. Cause I think he is kind of important in terms of just how much we get into the, uh, the oh, I always say underbelly. I need to get a thesaurus and look up underbelly and get some get other words. word for it. <laughs> yeah. But the bad relievers, the B relievers, the underbelly, the mediocre relievers, the milk toast relievers, are those all acceptable substitutions? I don't know. I Over mean, under, it, it's the B bullpen. That's what they call it a lot of baseball, right? You know, it's yeah. the B bullpen. Speak the, uh, I'll speak the baseball language. B bullpen is acceptable. <laughs> uh, but number of innings for Akiti in this series? I mean, what do you think? Where would you put the number? If we're assuming probably one start and then one longer relief appearance later in the series, depending on how things go, or do you think he maybe has a shot at two starts? He's got to make two starts. I think it goes, don't we? Didn't we all agree it's probably going seven? Well, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's got to go back in and he's, wouldn't he be, who's the game one starter? Fromber? No. Yeah, it's Fromber and one, should be Garcia and yeah. two. Ah, uh-huh. I, I would say uh, one start and then one, so, but, but coming off of one and a half and then the fact that people seem to be taking their starters out so early, I would put the over under at five. I might take the over, but I put the over under at five. Really? I would say seven. I, I, I think he might go four the first time out, then three as like yeah. a piggybacker in those later games where they can't afford to have. There you go. Six, six and right. a half is the over under. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes that makes sense for a baseline expectation for him based on usage and because of a wild card that is. I think Christian he could Javier shove too. though. I think he could shove. He's had so much rest. Remember, part of why I think Garcia came back and threw ninety sevens was just like, hey man, I didn't throw that many pitches last time out. You know. They yeah. gave him they gave him full rest and you know he came right. out and was blowing ninety seven. So I feel like one of the things that was funny too for me was watching it was that Rikidi's Velo was good that day, his movement was good that day, his command was off. So I don't know if rest will help that or if it was like could have been nerves. I I I don't know why uh he's a, he's he's one of the top ten commanders in baseball among starters. 
So to, for him to just lose it because the command was very strange for me. So I, I, I'm kind of lost as to why that happened and why what should happen next time. But I believe in him as a pitcher. So yeah, that's a good point. And and Valdez too. Like, was Framber rested because he didn't make it out of the third inning his first outing? Yeah, and the Houston starters actually benefited from the way they pitched early on in that series. I don't know. And what does that mean now? If you know, if the series goes long and they're and they actually go long in the first one, does that mean the second one they get? <laughs> Right. They get blasted. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kyle Kennedy is a good question. Does Smiley get a game four start? Uh, I feel like game four always depends on how the first three go, right? Um, if the Braves are in a hole. They might start uh, somebody on short rest. Yeah. Yeah. They may go with like a, yeah, they may go into desperation mode. But if they're up two to one, even if they're down two to one, they're at home for four, five, six, right? No, for three, four, five, they're home. Um, I could see them. I don't know if Smiley. I don't think Smiley gets a start. I really, I, I would be surprised. Yeah, I, I could see a similar attempt to uh, pull off what he did in the NLCS, and I could also see it not necessarily working out because Houston's got plenty of righties that can do some damage, and uh, they'll be looking for that scouting report. They won't be looking for fastballs. That's what I, that's I think Smiley and Rosario are just so interesting from that aspect because, uh, you know, Smiley pulled out like a big surprise. We're talking about like, should you have a big surprise ready for, for October? You know, should you have that like, oh, I'm going 85 percent curveballs in this start? Like, you know, should you have something in your back pocket like that? Um, and then Rosario. So Rosario is a lone away hitter. Uh, or was during the regular season, and in the in the uh, postseason, he's been a lone inside hitter. And I think I, I'm just like trying to look at the pictures, and 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 I'm looking, I'm putting my finger, and like be like, okay, he's two fingers away. I think he's moved a little further away from the from those plate. So I think he's just moved away from the plate and made away, you know, made in more like uh, away, you know, mm-hmm. instead of changing his swing, he, I think he's just sort of moved physically. Um, whose responsibility is it to catch that? I think it's maybe advanced scouting, uh, but are they going to like draw lines and do fingers? I think it might actually be the catcher. Hmm. I think Martin yeah. Maldonado has to be the one who, who who looks down at the ground and be like, whoa, he's standing somewhere different. Uh, that's something that Buster Posey does all the time. He, he always looks at their feet before he calls a pitch. Yeah. But uh, with Smiley, it's the same thing. So who who's responsible for figuring out what Smiley is going to do in the next start? Advanced scouting being like, hey, in the last I mean. Like everyone saw it, right? Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they were playing their own game. So, so, so someone has to tell them. Well, he went all he went eighty percent curveballs in his last start. Does that mean Smiley goes back to his old thing? I mean, I I love that sort of cat and mouse, and I love that because these are all like sort of temporary changes you can make. Like if Rosario, if anybody, if Rosario did actually move away from the plate, then it's very obvious what to do is bust him away. Right, and and Maldonado is a guy who I mean Houston raved about Lance McCullers Jr. earlier in the postseason said that he bothered Houston and bothered him and bothered him to get Maldonado, to get him back um, to have him with that organization just because mm. of the difference he makes. And we've seen it in this postseason. Even if he's not hitting, he makes such a difference, for, not only for those young guys, right? They have a very young rotation now, especially without McCullers. So you need kind of that calming force. And then you look defensively at what he was able to do. That that double play ball we talked about um, changed the game, may very well have, have kind of changed the – the series there a little bit. So I think you look at a guy like Maldonado and to me, he's one of the, maybe he's not the X factor, but he's a really important piece here. If Houston is going to win this series. 
I was a little frustrated by his game calling in the Urquidy stat start because Urquidy was missing away with the breaking ball and in in Maldonado kept calling for the away breaking ball and I was like why don't you have him throw like a front hip like a front door breaking ball because he's missing away so why don't you have him throw one at, at the hitter where it comes back in for a called strike they were all taking on the curveballs because he could at the sliders because he couldn't he couldn't hit the zone. So, I, I, yeah, I, I agree that, like, everyone loves him. I agree that he's great. That that, that throw in the running game was awesome. Um, and I also would just like to preface whatever I'm saying with game calling is, I think, probably the hardest thing uh, to evaluate, uh, to put a number on, to, to understand from the outside, you know. Yeah, probably so. a very hard thing to do. Uh, and to do well mm. also uh, and, and just overlook for a lot of the reasons. Like if Arcadia is missing his spots away, like maybe you don't call for the front door one because you're like, he's just going to hit the guy. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, right, exactly. Or maybe like that's a spot where that hitter hits really well. Like, I, you know, I yeah, know it's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to sit here and say like, well, why didn't he do this? Like we're somehow smarter than a guy. Or maybe, or maybe like Arcadia needs to hit this spot to even get anywhere in this game. And so we need right. to just keep going there until he can hit it. True. It's like Valdez, right? If you're a two pitch, he's a two pitch starter. So if he's not commanding one of those pitches, like you can't just abandon it. He needs yeah. to command both pitches or he's not effective. Right, right. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's actually talk about game one specifically. It is Charlie Morton. Oh, the curveballs. So many curveballs. A lot of curveballs. <laughs> 809 first pitch. Sorry, Britt. It's, um, <laughs> it's late for, for you and everyone else on, on Eastern, but um, I have no problems with the situation at the moment. Uh, Morton versus Valdez seems pretty even from a pitching standpoint. Morton, as uh, someone just pointed out in the chat, this is his third World Series in five years with three different teams. That's from... From Shane, like it's uh, it's impressive just to be constantly in those spots. But uh, who do you like in tonight's matchup with these two pitchers going? Go to you first, Britt. Oh God, I was going to play Eno because I can, this is a coin flip to me. I could see I could see either team winning. Um, <laughs> in which case, I really have become the king of waffles. Um, my gut says if you're going to look at this, you maybe go Morton. He's got the experience. Valdez is coming off a terrific start. Can he possibly replicate that again, right? You know, Houston watched a, a I mean, you know, the Braves watched a ton of that tape. Um, you know, they're going to be ready for him. Maybe Charlie Morton outpitches Valdez. And I do think the Braves bullpen is still better. Their A bullpen has been better than Houston's A bullpen. Um, so maybe, maybe I give the edge to the Braves here. I think the Braves certainly have a lot more momentum, even though both teams won. 
um, and both teams beat really good opponents. I still feel like the Braves should have won every game they played against the Dodgers. They, they seem to just dominate and I don't really see that changing. Um, so I'm going to go with a very slight edge to Charlie Morton and the Braves and get one. I was very surprised to see Zips uh, over at Fangraphs has uh, the Astros as a 54-46 uh, favorite in this one uh, because I would take – if I I often just look at the starting pitcher, right? And I would take Charlie Morton over Fran Bravadis. So, you know, I'm a little surprised to see that big of a difference between the two. Um, but that comes from the lineup. Uh, Houston gets home home court advantage. Yes, they're in Houston. Home. Yes. Home field, yes. <laughs> I've been watching some basketball. Baseball. Um, <laughs> basketball. I, my, my, my only concern, and maybe you guys have an opinion on this, is just is Houston knows Charlie Morton. He was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Do they know what he's going to do? Do they hit him well? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Houston. Uh, it's mostly just because uh, the home field and uh, the odds and the lineup. I mean, it's it's all about the lineup for me. Uh, I think it's a it's a superior lineup. It's the team that struck out the least in baseball this year. Uh, they're very disciplined. Uh, they also hit for power. You know, they're going to know that Morton loves to throw that inside back foot curveball to lefties. And I think for the most part, they'll lay off it, which has been really hard for people that don't know Morton as well. And if they lay off that, then Morton has to go to the split finger, which he does not command. So uh, might be one of those. Remember that Morton start where he had a ton of walks? Yeah. Might be something like that. That would be very bad. I'm on the Houston side of this one. I mean, it's obviously very close because it is two high-quality starters going up against each other. Home field advantage, probably a big part of the reason why. I think Britt's question about Morton, yeah, how well do you know a pitcher if you had that pitcher on your team? It's, I think it's still a bit of an unanswered question, similar to seeing a pitcher multiple times in a, a short period of time like is it an advantage for the hitter to see a pitcher twice in the span of a week we talk about this during the regular season too obviously it happens more in the postseason i think statistically over time the answer has been no it actually is not or it's at least inconclusive like and also not... if the guy is on your team you're not standing in the box against him no short of what spring training maybe you're standing in for a few random yeah moments. or like rehabbing you might like stand in on a bullpen or something but like that's not the same. Yeah. It so is I, interesting. I, I, I talked to a hitter recently who said that he looks at pitches from behind the pitcher to prepare for a pitcher. Hmm. And when I said, that's crazy, he said, what do you mean? <laughs> I think every hitter does that. Hmm. And so I've been asking hitters since, and I, I think that most hitters look from behind the plate. But um, if you are looking from behind the plate, then uh, then watching Morton pitch for your team actually would count as a little bit of knowledge, right? Because you're you see the shapes, you're you're in the dugout, you see the shapes. You know the sequencing a little better, or what he wants to do, or what he likes to do in certain instances. At least you'd have a small edge, but is it enough to say, yeah, they're going to go out and and hang seven runs on Charlie Morton? Of course not. I think it's mostly. I think the catchers sometimes, you know, just know their tendencies. Like, what would I yes. call here? I know what I would call here. Yeah. I had one. Shane, Shane F. points out Morton B. Houston in last year's ALCS in the chat, which is a good point. And then, of course, Ryan Rierick with the maybe the question of the day, what are you guys drinking for this game? I have one more Eno sticky stuff beer than I'm going to have. I have a, a very early train to New York tomorrow. Um, 
before I go to Atlanta. So I'm going to have my last Eno beer tonight to ring in the World Series. What are you guys drinking? I already drank my Eno beer, so I'm going to be drinking some other stuff either from the keg that Eno has uh, in his home. I'll I'll just go over to his house with a pitcher, fill the pitcher, and go back home. (laughs) Kegger at Eno's. (laughs) No, I've got um, some field work beer. It's it's, a really good brewery. Berkeley is where the brewery is, but I go to the That's what my keg is. Field work, double dry hop pulp. Unfortunately, that's not that. That's not the field work that I have in the fridge right now. I did have a crowler of that before I knew you were getting a keg of it, but I drank it a couple weeks ago, so that didn't last long. It's a, it's a great beer. I'm still drinking. I'm gonna be <laughs> drinking it forever. How are you keeping um, it cold, by the way? Uh, well, it has been cold, and I keep it in the shade, and then I've just been <laughs> supplementing with ice every day. Oh, it's outside. Just, yeah, I'm putting on ice on it every day. Oh God, your poor wife. Oh God. Uh, yeah, she's like, it's time. Nope. I'm like, no, baby, I gotta. So every, I can't give this back with beer in it. Every day, the conversation is, you're taking the keg back today, right? And you say, no, nah, I, I can, I can get One more. more I can, I can finish. I can finish this. If I get a couple more days, I can finish it. Reminds me of the there's the Homer Simpson with the old sandwich. Is <laughs> the green, disgusting old sandwich? Oh my! Have you gosh. been taking bites with a sandwich again, Homer? Um, I, the, the, I, I don't know. I, 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 when I see this question though, I think of like, you know, Houston beer versus Atlanta beer. So if I was going to put up the champions for each town, I would say spindle tap for Houston spindle tap versus. Mm. (laughs) Was it leap wild, wild leap. You can't get this analysis anywhere else. Wild leap. Wild leap for Atlanta versus Spindle Tap. Interesting. I have not had anything from either of those breweries, so that'd be um, that'd be a nice random get. I'm guessing they're not distributing out this way, so I'm gonna have to uh, make do with the, with the field work. Poor me. Uh, but lots of, of exciting stuff on the beer front. Uh, I would say, how about a beer style for the series? What kind of beer do you like to drink this late in October? You drink an Oktoberfest, or you drink in Heavy stouts? Are you sticking with IPAs? Like, what, what what style are you reaching for if you can't get your hands on beer from the breweries that Eno just mentioned? I go stouts when it turns fall because I I'm in a hoodie. I got you know I'm I'm it's in cold. the DC. I'm in the DC area. Like it's fall. It was 75 yesterday. To be fair, but, <laughs> you know we're getting cold. I know we're getting into fall. Um, and, you know it's crisp at night, so you like something a little bit heavier. Um, uh, you know we live down the street from the Guinness Brewery, which is great. Uh, people think it's just Guinness, like just of that dark beer, but they have like, I want to say 12 to 15 different kinds of beers usually. Um, so we'll mix it up. Usually get something at Guinness cause you can literally walk there from here. Um, usually we don't because you're getting a couple drinks and you know, you want to hurry up and get home. But, mm. um, if I decide to have one more beyond, you know, sticky stuff tonight, if I get a little crazy with this 8 PM start. <laughs> If I miss my train tomorrow, it's because I went to Guinness and got a few more brodies. <laughs> nice. That's a nice thing to have down the road. Yeah, I I uh, I will do some some barrel aged uh, sours. Uh, sours uh, just, just sort of make me think of of, of fall and winter as well. Um, and then the stouts, like a lot of them, come in the big bottles, and I have nobody to share it with. Um, uh, <laughs> woe is me. Huh. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I might need you to come over and help 
help me drink some stouts because my wife will not do it with me. Uh, but what we were what we were supposed to do this weekend, we didn't, was we were going to do some uh, actual beer floats, like beer, like take a stout and put vanilla ice cream in it. Ooh. And I had like a cherries death death tar, which is like a, a, a Chicago uh, revolution brewing has a stout uh, that they put different things in. I had a cherries one that I thought would taste really good with uh, van- vanilla in it. Um, I had some coffee ones that would have been great, but um, we are all, uh, it was reunion weekend and I guess we're all old enough where we said, you know what? Um, we have to party again tomorrow. So let's keep it in the pants. Uh, no beer floats tonight. <laughs> oh gosh! Multiple people brought up that we do need night show night shows with beer, and the athletic would have to send me out to California, obviously, for this to happen. So, well, hey, there, there's like there's definitely uh, now that DVR is out here, we were definitely planning on some uh, of the spring shows being at breweries. So, I, I think the 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 best one would be like a rates and barrels collaboration. Uh, with a brewery where we've got our own beer out uh, at, at and we're at the brewery for a live show. These are this is not pie in the sky. This, this there's there are things underfoot. We are working on this. A foot. That sounds awesome. Feet are working on this. <laughs> I'm sticking with the uh, malty stuff this time of year. So I had a Schellenbach. If you can find one of those, delicious, dark and boozy, but not quite a stout. Very good. So highly recommend a Schellenbach if you can. Uh, find one. The one I had was yeah. also from Fieldwork. I've never even heard of that. What is that? Just a, a, a huh. just a like a darker than a than a um, than a uh, than an Oktoberfest. Yeah, I should get some. Does, does it read kind of like a dark it. lager? I guess that's probably what's most similar to. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Quite tasty. A uh, couple more questions for both of you. We got our game one <laughs> predictions in. So. Yeah. What are we doing with the series winner? As Eno mentioned earlier, Astros minus 145, Braves plus 120. So it does slightly favor Houston, but who actually... That's a pretty big favor. I think that reads out to 56%. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, but it's not... I don't know. It's not the landslide people might think it is. If you if you tuned in at the beginning of the postseason and looked at Atlanta's playoff odds to, to win mm. the World Series when they first qualified... You would have expected, I think, something even more tilted to whoever the AL team was based on where people were at with Atlanta just a few weeks ago. And it's possible MGM is wrong because uh, Fangraphs has a 52-48, which I found interesting. Well, they have to yeah. build the lines, though, to balance out the money. So it's yeah. it's not necessarily yeah. just straight-up odds. So I'm, I thought we made our predictions, but I realized I made them on the lead yesterday. So I have to use the same ones or I'll be, you know. Um, so I'm going to go... Um, <laughs> I want the Braves to win. Let's be clear. I think they're a lot easier of a narrative to root for. But I think the Astros are going to win. I think they're a better lineup. I think they're going to win in seven, maybe even in six. But I'll stick to seven because now that I'm not a beat writer, I root for the World Series to go seven games. <laughs> uh, when it was the Nationals, Strikes I was like... everyone. <laughs> yes. When it was the Nationals in it, um, or even when the Orioles were in it in uh, 14, four. it was like, oh, four. <laughs> Sweep them. Sweep them. Uh, now I'm like, oh, seven, let's enjoy. Let's not wait. There's no baseball when this is over. <laughs> yeah. uh, every beat writer you know you can be assured is rooting hard for a sweep. Uh, but I, I, I do think that uh, I do think the Astros win this. Every single one of my bold predictions went wrong. Uh, the only one that is still alive is uh, Houston wins it all, which is 
the least bold of my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will cling to my least bold prediction uh, so that one of them is correct and call <laughs> for the Astros in six. <laughs> No, I thought you were going to just hedge against yourself and take Atlanta so that way you'd at least be right on the show if you were right with your bold prediction. Yeah. That's how I thought you were going to play both sides in that one. I'm on Houston in six as well. It's weird that we're all agreeing on this. Uh, I think way back in the spring, I thought there were pretty good odds. Hey, you Houston should take a big series. W. Yeah. So we even got a, we even got a cool yeah. uh, email. Yeah, of someone saying that you should take the W on that one because even before the season started, you were saying something about uh, maybe hang a bet on the Astros to win it all. Yeah, the yeah. odds the odds seemed good at the time relative to what people thought of them. So I, did I expect them to win it? And well, I just thought it was a good value bet. I guess is the right. way I would describe it, which is a good way to describe what I think we should do with the MVP predictions. Because there's there's two Ooh. ways to look at MVP. You can obviously say, okay, we all think Houston's going to win the series, therefore an Astro is going to win the MVP, and then which Astro is it going to be? Is it El Tuve? Is it Alvarez? Break Ooh, another Brady. opportunity to hedge. <laughs> right, another <laughs> opportunity to hedge. I'll go first on this one because the name that just jumped off the page to me when I was looking at the odds, Ozzy Albies is plus 3,000. Okay, wow. so if Atlanta wins the series, which isn't unthinkable, right? There's a 40-plus percent chance of that happening. One of their core players obviously did something amazing to help it uh-huh. happen, and there's no reason why it couldn't be Albies. It just... To me, pure value play. I mean, compared to Freddie Freeman at plus eleven hundred, Rosario at plus fourteen hundred. A lot of narrative priced into that based on how well he's played to this point. But nothing he's done to this point helps him in this series. It doesn't it doesn't keep compounding like that. So you know, Riley's plus sixteen hundred. So I, I would say if you you want to take a long shot for World Series MVP and you feel good enough about the Braves possibly winning, Ozzie Albie's at plus three thousand stands out to me as a good value. Yeah, who do you who do you have as your MVP though, Derek? I think if it's you're Jordan. picking the Astros. Yeah, it's Jordan. He is just he's on fire right now, and he's so so good. The thing that, that I think is putting it over the top for me is we looked it up yesterday. Uh, his numbers in his career against lefties, like he he, do, he doesn't get beat by lefties. Like that's just not normal. Yeah. Like what what's up with that? Yeah, I see. He's almost too obvious though. I feel like like what if they pitch around him all series? Uh, what about a guy like Yuli Gurriel or Michael Brantley? That wouldn't surprise me at all because their lineup is so deep, right? That you kind of have to pick and choose your spots. Um, so I I think it'll be a hitter. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be Jordan because I feel like he is the guy now similar to Eddie Rosario, right? Where how can he stay this hot one and shouldn't they pitch around him too? Yeah, the, the Yuli call you made, it, it's kind of similar to the Albies in terms of odds plus 2,500. So if you you just want to play it kind of fun, which you should with MVP, you should play the longer odds, the possible but like reasonable <laughs> plays. That's the way to, to go about it for something I like, like Granky. Granky yeah. for MVP. That, that would be awesome. Um, you know who you, who you got? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, I think uh, for me, chalk is Kyle Tucker. Actually, I don't know. Uh, I just it's a mixture of chalk and like I like the odds. Um, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. Jordan being the the favorite, you're you're not getting the odds as well. So I I don't know. I think I like I like Tucker, but um, uh, the one thing that strikes out for me is that the last time I saw Alex Bregman, uh, he said to me with the weirdest look in his eye that he felt really really good. And I keep waiting for that really, really good to translate into uh, on-the-field production. And I somehow think that maybe facing a bullpen full of lefties 
uh, will be the thing that uh, that unlocks it for him. So I'm waiting on Alex Bregman. Also, the other thing he did was he showed me this really gross thing. So on his uh, on his like hand right here, uh, like something about his swing and his repeated work has like created this bone deposit that he has a lump that like comes off his wrist, like comes off his hand here, like this big. It's just like a big, gross lump. I think it's like a bone deposit or something. It's just mm. disgusting. And it reminded me of the time that uh, Jed Lowry said he had a, a bunion, and then he ran me through what a bunion was. Yeah. Uh, these guys have really gross injuries sometimes. <laughs> and so none of these things seem to be a really good argument for Alex Bregman, but somehow yeah. uh, you square the two, uh, you take the square root, you take it to the third power, and uh, bada bing, bada boom, Alex Bregman MVP. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens now in this series, guys. Yeah. Um, but the, the one question up there: How the heck did the Astros get uh, Jordan Alvarez for Josh Fields? Uh, I think it was because uh, nobody thought uh, Jordan Alvarez could play the field, uh, which yeah. is still uh, an open debate. So I think that might have had something to do with the Dodgers just being like, we don't have a place to put him on the field. Mm. I think that might have been part of it. still pretty wild, though, because a guy that hits like that, I don't care if you're horrible at first base or in left field, fine. We'll just, we'll figure it out. We'll deal. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it was that the Dodgers were like, like over. Yeah. I think it might be assist. (laughs) But the, yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know where we got into (laughs) We're worried we weren't going to sell enough time, but boy, that chess is right. <laughs> I've heard that Jordan's knees are a long-term problem. That this is this is a real problem. The knees are a long-term problem, and then yeah. you'd have to think that maybe the Dodgers over-fetishized um, a positional versatility. They had the guy who wrote the piece that says that Chris Taylor is worth an extra two wins. They tell everybody in the minor leagues they have to play multiple positions. They play everybody in the major leagues in multiple positions. Like, yeah. how do you get? How do you take a guy that you can't even play at one position? And, and put him in that mix. Fair question. How long ago did you talk to Bregman, by the way? Uh, it was late September. It was like the last time the Astros were in Oakland. It might have been one of the last series of the, of the regular season. I think someone just swapped out his gummy bears for some gummies, and that, that's why he felt really good and was giving you the weird look. I think that's the Occam's razor explanation. I don't know whose gummies he got by mistake, but that's what I think happened. He's like, nah, man, I'm in California. I feel good. Right, right exactly. That's what he was telling you. On that note, uh, we are going to go, if you want to read all the great coverage we have about the World Series, I mentioned Eno's piece earlier. Uh, the Mets are going to keep doing Mets things. If you didn't read Britt's piece about their <laughs> pursuit for uh, someone to run baseball operations, Met, you should Britt's check that piece out. gets a W. It was totally prescient, and it was it, you know all the stuff in it is, is is turning out to be true. And and people were like, oh. <laughs> Well, Theo doesn't want to work in baseball anymore. And, uh, well, Billy has, you know, his daughters. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. We'll expect to hear all these excuses for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because yeah. that's what we're oh, hearing. The Mets are on line one. Tell them I'm in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> tell them I can't going. uproot my children. You don't have children, honey. Well, tell them <laughs> I can't uproot my future children. 
Yes. Tell the Mets I've got a keg in my backyard that I have to work on. It's going to be be a little while before I can take their call. Uh, but get 33% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to barrel up on that like button. Subscribe to the channel to get notified anytime we go live. Of course, we're here on weekdays at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Twitter. He's at Eno Sarah. She is at Britt underscore Drolli. I am at Derek Van Riper. Enjoy game one tonight. We're back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.